right, hello and welcome everybody to the inaugural episode of the Empire XL podcast. Uh, I am your host, Dorf, and uh, my co-host every week will be Josh Hauslander. How's it going, Josh? Pretty good, Dorf. What's up, man? Uh, not not too much. Um, so we are doing this. Uh, we, we've actually done podcasts together in the past over on the Empire Media or, you know, the major sports network uh, that family of, of podcasts, which have uh, sadly kind of gone on, uh, you know, an indefinite hiatus here, but we, we, we got the itch and, and we can't stop. So <laughs> with that in mind, we're launching kind of our own here. Um, today's topic of discussion is uh, if we were made king for a day, that was all I said to Josh uh, to prep, prepare for this topic that we get an eight hour shift as uh, Supreme Overlord. Uh, you get to do one thing an hour. Uh, before you abdicate and retire, and your 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 changes will remain permanent. And so we both approached this in very different directions. And I think we this did. would be very very interesting. So I more approached it uh, from a perspective of if I was king of the United, you know, supreme overlord of the United States for a day, <laughs> and Josh more, you know, if he was starting over and he was king of the world, uh, what he would do. So. Yeah, I would would be a king of the world or even just like king of a small island (laughs) or something, you know, was kind of uh, more the way I approached it. But I I, I like your way, too, and I think it'll mix well with the, you know, different, um, you know, exchange of the show. And I do have some kind of reference here to the U.S. still as well. So, do you want to go, you know, you do one, I do one, or we Um, all – I think it's going to be – we're going to go – we're going to go through your list first. Uh, okay. Briefly discuss each one or, you know, if I disagree with uh, something or would like to poke a hole in it, uh, I will do so. And we can, we can talk it a little bit. And uh, if not, uh, and then we'll go through mine afterwards. So do the same thing on the other end, cross examine it on the other end. So Josh, without further ado, get right into it. Okay. Um, First decree, I start early in the morning, so we're going to, um, you know, this is at uh, 7 a.m. as uh, my, my day of, uh, you know, my day of being king of whatever I am king of. But my first decree will be that of a Bill of Rights. Um, now, historically speaking, I kind of like the, I don't know, a lot of people don't know this, a lot of people do, but when James Madison was conducting the writing of the Constitution, he actually originally opposed a Bill of Rights because he thought, he feared, I should say, that if there was a Bill of Rights, then people would construe that the, anything not mentioned specifically on that Bill of Rights that they didn't have a right to. And he was very clear that, no, we have a right to everything. We're just making this, you know, you know, th- these are the really important ones that are obvious. Now, one of the things that I love but have grown to somewhat dislike about the American Bill of Rights in the U.S. Constitution, the first ten amendments of the Constitution, is I love the language of them. I love reading them. It's beautifully written. They are extremely eloquent and have a mastery of the English language when they wrote these things, much like the Bill of Rights, or much like the Constitution, much like the Declaration of Independence. All these documents are are beautiful to read, but I think they wrote them with the idea that people were going to continue to get smarter 
people were going to continue to become more enlightened as time went on, and unfortunately that doesn't seem to be the case. So they take that eloquent speech, and people seem to misunderstand it. We live in a world where they read, shall the right to bear arms shall not be infringed, and they uh, people debate that endlessly and have been for 200 years. So my Bill of Rights would be much less eloquent. More rights, less eloquence. More rights, less eloquence, um, more, more yeah. uh, black and white. Exactly. You have the right to own a gun, period. You have the right to privacy, period. No matter what, always. I mean, again, we live in a country where the Second Amendment gives us the right to bear arms, the Fourth Amendment gives us the right to privacy, yet people think it's totally constitutional to have to register your firearms with the, with the government. Or, or have any sort of permitting system as well, um, right? That that's that's not okay. So you gonna in, in your in your new bill of rights here? Are you keeping the uh, clause about quartering of soldiers? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Except except um, in my version of the Third Amendment, um, it shall be no soldier or officer of the government because uh, guess what? Cops quarter themselves in people's houses too, and that should be unconstitutional. I think the Founding Fathers would have said that that was unconstitutional, um, you know, then. But again, they said soldier because they were trying to be so beautifully eloquent. So I, I'll, I'll change. How about this? No dude shall in time of peace or war be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner. Fair enough. Okay, so... Um, is there anything I know you mentioned specifically the Bill of Rights in the United States is there anything extra that you'd want to add right off the top um I don't think so that isn't not that isn't going to be covered in my next seven decrees okay fair enough you know I I could I could I feel like I could go on on number one forever but we, we don't want to do that I think most of the other stuff is going to be mentioned within the other decrees Okay. All right. Um, so you've had a cup of coffee now. Go on to your decree number two. Yes. Uh, it's now 8 a.m. And we're going to say that – okay, there, there are only two on here, I will say. Spoiler alert. There are only two on here that could even potentially be construed as something I'm saying you're not allowed to do, that people are – that, that – um, you know, that is, is an infringement upon absolute free animalistic living, absolute, you know, um, dangerous anarchy, if you will. But number two is a very basic libertarian principle. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. This is also known to some. I, I prefer to just say don't hurt people and don't take their stuff is what you're not allowed to do. But this is what a lot of the libertarian principle – Exactly. The, NA, the NAP, or the non-aggression principle, is you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt people. But I will also say that um, this has to be an outward and a physical version of this. Um, this so that means that it cannot be construed, well, to, to keep it very uh, relevant to today, it cannot be construed that I am hurting other people by touching my face in public. It cannot I was going to ask you about that. I was going to cross-examine you about that because I know in a past podcast, I brought up the point was we did one on vaccines. I believe it was that, was that X cast or was that something else? I forget which, but 
would have been um, PoE. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah. We did a thing on, and I brought up the point, you know, not necessarily agreeing with it, but could you construe harm or a violation of the NAP to not be vaccinated because then you could be a disease vector, you know, a communicable disease vector. And so you're, you know, you choosing not to do that could be construed as violence on other people. So I, I would, I would implore you if you were going to do this to please, please, please be more specific. You know, and, and I, and I plan to, um, not taking someone else's stuff means it actually has to be legitimately their stuff. Um, that doesn't mean that um, I went into the forest and um, as that the person X walked into the forest and picked more strawberries than person Y thinks is necessary. Um, I went person X went fishing and caught more fish than person Y thinks is necessary. That's not your stuff. That is certainly not your stuff. That uh, that stuff doesn't belong to anyone yet. Now, if person Y uh, runs up and grabs the fish out of the person's net as they're loading up their car, you just took their stuff. This this is a this is a violation of the NAP. Um, the way I look at vaccines, things like this. Um, you are not committing violence by shadow boxing in your uh, on your front lawn. It doesn't become violence till somebody steps in the way of your fist. So you uh, you don't like that people aren't vaccinated. The onus falls upon you to not go around those who are vaccinated. Um, okay. You you it, it cannot be construed as violence to um, not wear a mask at the grocery store. It cannot be construed as violence to touch your face too often. It's your face, after all. You can touch it as much as you want. Um, I do fully acknowledge, and this isn't in one of my decrees, but a society like this would require well-meaning PSAs, public service announcements, things saying, hey, it's not a great idea to drive faster than 70 miles per hour. You know, hey, guess what? There's a virus out right now. Guys, take caution. Wash your hands. There's there's nothing wrong with that, but it's got to be voluntary. It's got to be voluntary. Okay. Um, I, I, my only thing is I, I agree with you on the principle. It's just the, the practical application of that. I think that's a lot more variables to be left to chance than most people would care for as as we're seeing now with all the the corona karens um i think people have gone soft and really really value you know values their supposed safety and security over any sort of freedom the oh uh, you know if you don't you know i've, I've yelled at people multiple not yelled but debated with people multiple times since this kicked off of well if you don't like it you're more than welcome to hide at home well sure you, no, you going out you're gonna kill me I'm like well not if you hide at home <laughs> You're more than welcome no. to. Um, no, this is the idea that um, stop being so selfish. But what they're saying when they say stop being so selfish is stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about me. Well, guess what? That, that that's is a not selfish how it works. There. Yes. 
that, that I, you're the one who's actually being selfish with your accusation of selfishness. Well, I mean, at the very for, let's let's a brief tangent here aside on on the the current reality here at the beginning of the uh, the pandemic, you know, uh, you know, once it made its its jump from China to Seattle, um, I was desperately concerned that this would have a death rate uh, similar to that of Ebola. But it was it was significantly more uh, transmittable. Um, what makes mm-hmm. Ebola not nearly as dangerous to the mass population of you know the world, especially those who live in dense areas, is that you have to essentially ingest bodily fluid, sure, or, or, or you know come in, in contact with wet bodily fluid. Usually, blood Ebola causes people to hemorrhage from all over the place. You know if you're around them at all transmission is likely possible however it's so deadly it's it's hard for that you know you hear that r0 number that number of people infected how many more people they infect number is is generally speaking low with ebola because people die quickly and don't don't have a you know don't carry it for a long time to spread to all their all their friends i was worried that this was a high high highly transmittable highly deadly disease I'm like oh shit we're fucked I bought, you know, I bought enough stuff to hunker down for eight weeks. And then the more and more data we bring in on this and the the less and less we seem to pay attention to it. The fact is, if you're under 50, you're more likely to die of the seasonal flu. Absolutely. And you know what? Yeah, it's incredibly deadly to old people. You know what else is incredibly deadly to old people? The seasonal flu. It's just a flu, bro, because it's not. It's, It's a horrible way to go. But the idea that you've never been able to kill grandma by giving her a hug at Thanksgiving has never been true. That's always been true. This is the first time people have been forced to think about it. And the idea that, oh my God, if, if you leave your house, you're committing violence upon me. That is just insane. I, I see the risks. I accept the risks, just like I do getting behind the wheel of a car every day. Sure. You know, I, I know that it's an inherently dangerous activity. There's... 50,000 people in the United States that die every year on the roads. Roughly, I think that number is roughly accurate. But we don't stop. We accept that risk every time we get behind the wheel, whether you thought about it or not. I'm willing to accept the risk to go out in public. Some people may not be, and that's their choice. And you know what? It, it, the risk is, is variable for, for everybody. It's just like it's variable by what you know, neck of the woods you live on, what kind of driving you do, and how good of a how skilled of a driver you are. The... I understand people's concerns that, oh, well, I might catch it. Well, if that was the case, we would have had the national, if it was as deadly as, as Corona Karen thinks it is, they would have the National Guard and chem suits delivering everybody groceries, not just, you know, saying, oh, it's okay to go to grocery store. If it was that, where do you think the number one disease vector for the average person is? The fucking grocery store. Yet we still go there. God damn. All right. Sorry. Rant over. No, um, listen, Dorf, I realize I'm being very philosophical and idealistic today, but that that, that is how I interpreted it. I'm king for the day, so I have that right to, you know, to, to be that guy. You're you are the um, philosopher king. <laughs> I I absolutely I'm a I'm I'm a huge fan of that idea. I you know, I, I for certainly I certainly am. That that is what I'm trying to do is be the 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 truly just philosopher king. Uh the uh uh, you can go back to the divine right. If if I'm king for the day, well, then there must be a reason, right? <laughs> that that God, I was selected. God wills it. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, listen, I'm going to take what you said real quick, even a little bit further. And I'm going to say that general what else is extremely deadly to old people. Um, oh, did I lose you? No, you're here. I got you. Oh, okay. Good, good. Okay, good. Um, the other thing that is extremely deadly to old people is time. They don't have as much time here, statistically, as the rest of us. Granted, we any person in their 20s could, you know, get behind the wheel and have a tragic accident, as you mentioned. But old people are running out of time, and nobody's gotten out of this world alive yet. My mom actually said to me the other day, she's, um, you know, in her mid-60s and, and very healthy, by the way. But she said to me, she said, you know, I was thinking the other day, and she's – 10 years older than her dad was when he died. And she said, you know, who knows how much time we have on this life? And the government or whoever you want to say, they just stole a year. They just stole a year or half a year anyway. They gave you 1200 bucks for it. Yep. They, they stole a year from your life, people. They stole 2020. And that might have been destined to be a lot of people's last year on this earth. But either way, we only get that finite amount of years on this earth, and somebody just stole one from us. I'm not okay with it for any reason whatsoever. Right, um, you also mentioned, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You also mentioned the, uh, you know, the, you know, the Karens, uh, as you put it, which I, I love that term. Um, a lot of people like to say that even though the United States of America is supposed to be a free country, that there's no room here for people who are self-described anarchists, or the sovereign citizens, if you will. Well, in King Josh's new country, there's no room for the Karens. Sorry. <laughs> um, the, the Karens, you ain't going to like it here, okay? Um, but I'm giving you your freedom. I'm giving you your liberty. And um, now, now I'll sound like a, just a straight-up Republican. You can like it or you can get the hell out of here. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I I would say that in Josh Topia here, uh, you're more than welcome to leave, uh, but you get to choose who gets to come in. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We're not keeping you here, but we won't let you back in if you leave. Yeah. Yeah. But as as for, as for the Karens, um, yeah. uh, Change or um, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not going to like it here. Sorry. Um, Yeah. I've, but anyway, number four, uh, or was that, no, that was only number two. I'm sorry. Um, number three, this I kind of touched on with number one, and that is everything else is a right to, including your wealth. You have a right to your wealth, every single penny of it, so whether it is a your, your way of strengthening property rights? Uh uh, this is my way of saying taxation is theft, and I already told you you're not allowed to take other people's stuff. Um, this is also my way of saying, and yes, I do strengthen the property rights for sure. Yes, definitely. If the government is taxing your property, then it's actually not your property. So we don't own anything here. We, we own absolutely nothing in this country. Also, I'm saying that Government certainly can't stomp on your rights, but government isn't the only thing that can stomp on people's rights, and your rights trump anything. They trump both those things. So it isn't just the government that must respect all your rights. It's corporations, too. 
it's other individuals too. Is that enough on that one? There, I no no critique there. Um, I I differ from you, and I I begrudgingly say that taxes are the cost of living in a civilized society, and I don't like it. But that's debate for another time. Continue. Um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've I've said that um many times. The um you know the taxes are the price you pay to live in a civilized society. But I always write it in the SpongeBob retard text when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> the alternating capital lowercase. Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I it, it's 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 one of those classical conundrums for me that it's it's awful, but I don't have anything better unless, of course, we the only other option to an alternative to a tax system is your government has to be a for profit corporation, and that's how it funds itself. And sure, and I. I Oh boy, <laughs> the the ramifications of that are are uglier, I, in my opinion. Wait for decree number seven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Get to, let's get there. All right, decree number four. Small local governments and protective services may be elected, but their power may never supersede the rights of others. Now, what I mean by this basically is what elections and what. Um, people can be elected are things like uh, a county sheriff. You, you know, if if a community chooses to elect, um, you know, sheriffs or um, judges, they may do so. They may do so. Um, but their power absolutely, positively is is not more than your average citizen. And the problem with those type of elections in the past is they were a great idea and a great way to do this, but some people want their rights taken away, as ridiculous as that sounds. So they actually will vote for more draconian measures because, you know, I don't know, because they're Karens or whatever you want to call it. But under this, it doesn't matter how much percentage of the vote you got, you can't take away people's rights, period. Like it. Number five, any unapproved surveillance of another person is a direct violation of that person's rights. And like we discussed in number three, that isn't just about the government. Okay, You are not allowed to take people. You are not allowed to videotape people without their permission. That that is that is a right. You that is an absolute right to privacy. You have a privacy. You are allowed to pick your nose when you think nobody's watching without somebody actually seeing you. That means that now granted, if you insist on setting up a camera in your own living room, you go right ahead. You know, you, you go right ahead. That that that's fine. But if you own a gas station and your door says open, you're not allowed to tape people. Okay, you're not allowed to do that. In the, in that regard, Josh, would you be okay with a an implied consent form, much like you see on the back of like sports tickets, where by walking through the gate, 
in possession of a gated mission, you hereby agree to the following terms and conditions. And one of them could be, you know, we, we tape things just in case we get robbed or whatever, or to monitor no. employee performance. No. Okay. No, not yeah, Absolutely. Not okay with that. And if I it was now... posted, even if it was posted like on the doorway in plain, in plain, you know, in, I say plain English. I mean, it could be, you know, pick local language accordingly, but in plain, in plain text, this is what happens when you walk through these doors by doing so you accept that this is acceptable. No, not okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely not. And I think a lot of um, liberty-minded folk um, need to make an acknowledgement that I am willing to make. This might raise the level of shoplifting a little bit. But shoplifting is illegal, as we know. It is not okay. Um, I am fully acknowledged to admit that this may raise the level of shoplifting a little bit, especially when it comes to minor things. A risk worth taking. An, an absolute risk worth taking. Um, a, a person's likeness is their own. Okay. They I, have I, I disagree. You know, I, w- I would agree with the caveat that you've, you've proposed here in your kingly decree, um, assuming I, I would like the you know, with permission allowable added, but, uh, you know, even, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily written permission, but it could be a, like the, uh, not necessarily just an implied term of entering an establishment, but a explicitly accepted term by, you know, posting it in plain sight or, you know, in, if you walk through the story, you agree to this. Yeah. I, the, and I guess the, the problem with that, with my problem with that, is that large corporations inevitably take control of things and they take over a monopoly, which isn't a monopoly isn't I know by the the root word of monopoly, it means control by one thing. but are, so when, are you Josh, are you when worried Ford that like or BM are all on the same page or something? Yeah, they have a monopoly over it. Fair. Yeah, okay, they, so they, are they, are you they, worried they, the the classic grocery store the grocery store example if if the only grocery store within fifty miles of you has that requirement but you don't want to play by the rules of that game your choice are is to you know give up on your own principles or starve um, is that what you're is that what you're worried about Yes, it is the the okay. idea that okay um you gas stations can do this if you know, if they go by your rules, but Speedway, Sunoco, Amico, and Mobile have all decided that they are going to, as a rule, put these cameras up. Well, okay, so you got to search out that, you know, I mean, how many mom-pop gas stations are around? I know they exist. You know, they, they do exist, but they are few and far between. And you've you've, in essence, destroyed the idea of the... Of the right, sure. Okay, I that would be something I would need to ponder further before I discuss it. Anyway, continue. Next. This, I admit, this one, this next one is absolutely something I'm telling people they're not allowed to do. This is something that I am actually, and I hate this term, but I am saying you can't do this because of the greater good. And it's a little bit of a silly one to some people. But I think it's dead serious. 
there people are going to say I watch too many sci-fi movies. Maybe I have. But there shall not be a computer or robot made in the likeness of the human brain. I fear that my free society um, will open itself up to a powerful robot overlord or something along those lines. I know that may sound a bit ridiculous, but I'm not even worried about the overload part. I I do like this, you know. I, I wouldn't cover it in my my eight kingly decrees, but I like this, and I'm not, I'm more worried about the fact that in the not too distant future, humans will no longer be necessary, and exactly. you know, not to not to the nest the point we're going to have Star Trek replicators here in the next few years, because you know, but at the same time. We've essentially automated physical work. We're, going, we're at the precipice of commercially available automation of mental work, too. And I understand a lot of the physical work is, is you know, it, th those automations are more efficient, and I get that. But at the same time, when we forget that we're a society of people, and people need purpose, and a large amount of purpose is derived from occupational musings, when we make it essentially no longer profitable to employ people, uh, you think the distribution of wealth is wacky now. <laughs> Just wait. Sure. Sure. Humanity, I believe, is meant to be a free people. So I oppose the creation of something that could very easily enslave us. Very easily. Or just decide that we are unnecessary and move on from there. I didn't lose you again, did I? Nope, you're still there. Okay, right on. So so I know that some people think that's a real weird one. You know, some people think, oh, geez, you know, okay, yeah, okay, watch The Terminator again, Josh. Read another Dune book. No, I, I, I do believe it's a serious problem. It's a problem that we've been talking about for 100 years in this country, and we've, in this world, I should say, and we've done nothing but see it come closer and closer to fruition and haven't stopped yet. So let's cut it out. Okay. Or at least be smarter about it. I and you know what? I'm I'm getting to the point where specifically here in the advantage of the United States here, I would love to I, I would consider banning levels of automation that would be or you know, banning commercial use of levels of automation that make hum, you know, humans obsolete in in you know, economic activity. Sure. No, I have no problem with At the with same time, if I do that in America, somebody else isn't going to, and then guess who's going to have to start kissing that boot, you know? Mm -hmm. Unless, of course, you commit the, you know, if, if I'm America and I make that one of my kingly decrees, anybody who comes close to doing that or is threatening to do that, am I now bound by moral responsibility to essentially go to war to prevent that from happening? Perhaps. I, Oh boy, that's a slippery slope. Well, and, and the, this is the thing too. The, this seems like it's an anti-technology, like I'm some sort of uh, you know anti-technology zealot. But I, I actually have no problem whatsoever with a machine that takes the job of 40 people and turns it into a job for one person. I don't have a problem with that at all. I don't care if it takes away jobs. I don't care if it's bad for the economy. That in the long run is good. Well, my problem is is when the the supercomputer 
takes the you know with an internet connection and a connection to other supercomputers takes the jobs of thousands of people and turns it into none yeah i i i don't i don't have a problem with creating um i don't have put it this way i don't have a problem making decisions to create uh, machines that make life easier i have a problem with the machines making a decision and that that is where I say, you know, that they shall not be made in the light. And, and even here right. is even crazier part of machine learning. It's people don't understand how machine learning works. Machine learning is essentially you you give a computer parameters and tools to get a job done, and it just through trial and error constantly modifies its process till it gets to the one it's it's most efficient. You have no idea how it gets there. There is nothing to audit. There is nothing to, to realize. The, the Josh, to reiterate your concerns here, the, the idea, we, we have these like deep learning and machine learning algorithms that are just observing patterns and then making op operational improvements on those patterns. And those who program them have no idea how it works. You know, what, what, their, what their program, essentially, once they say go, they have no control over it anymore. And we're making economic and life-altering decisions based on, well, we had here's what we told it to do. We have no idea how it's doing or how well it's really truly doing because our test parameters are shit. And, and a specific example of this is you see any sort of social media or like specifically a YouTube algorithm. The algorithm... They hear all the time, you hear all the time, oh, somebody's tweet or somebody's uh, video was deleted in error. It's our mistake. We've restored it. You know, it, it was done by the algorithm, which is just, you know, might as well be the term sure. for the boogeyman at this sure. point, where, you know, we don't know why it should have been deleted, but it did. Well, and that was a, a positive outcome for machine learning. I understand that, like, in a, in a scenario like YouTube, where there's no, literally no barrier to entry and being able to make a video, post a video that having some sort of moderation where they're a private company, they're more welcome to limit or hope, you know, who's allowed to use it. I understand that and under the current rules of the game, but there's no way in hell that somebody could watch every minute of content uploaded without severely filtering out who's allowed to use it. Um, but the idea that an unaccountable, un, unauditable algorithm can make essentially livelihood-destroying decisions, especially when they, you know, if you become like a YouTube partner and you, you monetize your content and you make your living on that, can make... Sure career and life altering decisions without chance for appeal or your rationale or without somebody seeing that and a human being you know who understands nuance being able to go through that is just un untenable for me and that's something that it's did that also did not make my eight kingly decrease but that would that's something that machine learning and, and sort of algorithms would need to be somehow auditable um that didn't make it, but that would have been one of mine. Um, yeah, I mean, and you're you're almost bringing it to the point of a of a Mariana's Web idea, if you will. You know this this idea that 
it it inevitably will lead to an invisible non-physical piece of data in cyberspace that will at some point extremely easily take over everything you know the, the, it, it could lead to that I and mean, some people uh, theorize that this already exists josh that's not a matter of that the technology to do that exists already it's just a sure. matter of, of bandwidth and computing power at this point and guess what both of those improve exponentially every single year right right it's not even like a slight exponential incredibly exponential um, what is it it doubles every 18 months is what they usually say uh, correct i bet you it's 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 probably doubles every probably i would say 9 at this point it's it, the the curve is flipped at this no. point it's it's a lot better than that now it's just a money problem it ain't a tech problem yeah and and for those people out there who who aren't uh, math people if you have 50 of something and it doubles and it continues to double that doesn't mean you keep adding 50. That means, you know, you have 100, then 200, then 400, then 800, then 1,600. You know, this yeah, goes on. Think about it as, as squaring something instead of not multiplying by two, but squaring. Which Absolutely. Is, which is the math, what that actually means mathematically. Anyway. Continue. So it's getting later. In, it's getting later in the day. Um, you know, I'm, I'm done with a couple pots of coffee. It's been a long one. Um, I've had my kingly uh, lunch of a, uh, you know, beef stew and roast pork. And, um, you know, I'm, I've taken off my purple robe because it's getting a little, getting a little warmer. Um, I'm about to order one of the servants to, uh, you know, pop a bottle of kingly mead for us to celebrate the feast. Um, but two more decrees to go. So number seven, this is the big one here. This is the important one. Should the throne ever be abdicated, myself and all who follow in my bloodline shall serve as a stalwart protector of the rights of this land's people. To lead the small, voluntary, defense military, defensive military force to be funded solely by the nation's prophets. This is, uh, you're asking how will we keep these rights? This is how, I guess. This is how, you know. Um, I hope that uh, my, my bloodline does not uh, lose its way. But uh, I, I would have to say that, um, you know, people in my bloodline would have to continue this. And if they are not willing to swear the oath, not to the family, but to the liberty of the people, then they would have to be banished with the Karens. <laughs> Josh. And then I, I, I like that. I think that's a very eloquent way of saying don't be fucking around with this. In your in your Bill of Rights or your your constitutional framework here, I think we'll call it. Um, mm -hmm. Is there an amendment process? No. Okay. No additions or subtractions. Correct. All right. Correct. No amendment um, process. And yes, I I fully acknowledge that this decree is based on an assumption. I somehow became king for a day. I must have some means. <laughs> I must have done something. I have to have something. So I get a bunch of money. I have something. And 
if this place lives on nothing more than the interest of the, of what it started with, then that's how it will have to be. And it will have to be as big or as small as is necessary. Okay. Um, based on that. Decree number eight. I abdicate the throne. All right. And do you, do you name your successor? It, it would. I, I guess this would be in traditional kingly fashion. It will be my firstborn. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Or, or, or I guess potential to. I, you know, I got four kids, so. Uh, uh, well, I <laughs> potential mean, to, to, you to have choose any, from the four. Yeah, you have any sibling? You know, is there another male sibling or something? <laughs> No, I have a sister. I mean, she might try to murder me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know what? If she murders me and can do better for the liberty of peop of the people, then I'm okay with it. All but right. I, I would have to ask all my family members to sign this, you know, this this oath of loyalty, or else face banishment. All right. There you go. Whether that be to the island a hundred miles away or to Venus, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'm not sure exactly what I can throw. Oh, here. we didn't. We didn't kill you. We just banished you to the surface of Venus, where it's you know 800 degrees Celsius. I think it's 800 degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius. I forget which. Um, and like your body will disintegrate instantly. We didn't kill you. We just banished you. Maybe Mars or the Moon. <laughs> freeze to death and die in the vacuum of space, or freeze to death and die in the no oxygen and fire. <laughs> We didn't kill you. Mars did. I'm, I'm assuming NASA's actually, which is a terrible assumption, I'm assuming NASA's actually telling the truth and that it's possible to live in some of these places. I don't know. All right. So it's now my turn to uh, – I, I yes, specifically sir. attack this from the angle of if I was made Supreme Overlord of the United States for a day uh, and I had an eight-hour shift to get this done, you know, things done I wanted done in the country. So number one – the beginning of my morning i have some breakfast and then i go on a trust busting spree um too many corporations accountable to profit only own too much of the you know have the too much of an ability to influence policy and infringe on on people's constitutionally protected rights i'm not okay with well it's just a private company bro it can do it at once no I'm sorry, we have some pretty well-endowed principles here that we'd like to stick to. Um, in order to do that, I'm going to break up some big companies, specifically like a Google and Apple. I, I'm actually okay with if, if Apple only split in two for the hardware division and the services division. I think that the, that would be all I would need to do to break up Apple um, at this point. Makes sense. Um, yeah, you can have like your iTunes and your software and your, your stuff like that. And then you can have a computer manufacturing that can't be exclusive to either. Um, Google, uh, you've got like 26 underlying businesses, uh, get ready for them to all operate on their own without any common management. Um, Warren Buffett, you own too much of the energy industry. Uh, you own way too much coal. You own way too much railroad. You own way too much natural gas interest now that uh, T. Boone Pickens is gone. Um, get ready to split that up. Uh, is, is Warren Buffett getting the guillotine? I mean, just be honest. Is it just... 
you know what? I, I'm not even mad at Warren Buffett specifically or Berkshire Hathaway. They have maximized their influence playing in the rules of the current game. Yeah, I'm not mad. They're playing by the rules as written. I just and if they fight back against the new rules, guillotine or? Uh, I mean, I, I have supreme authority here, I guess. So I, I, let's go. I like banishments more. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be in the business of offing people who, you know, don't listen to me. Anyway, so. You are the government. And as we know, the government's only good at one thing, violence. So it is the monopolization that, of violence. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so, so this might be necessary in, in both of our, you know, worlds here that, uh, somebody gets the firing squad or the guillotine or banishment to Venus. Or... <laughs> okay. Let's go this one. Rocketed into the sun. <laughs> that works. Hell of a ride. <laughs> be a great way to go. Um, <laughs> Number two, the United States will separate all relationships, uh, business relationships from China within 180 days. Um, all this will allow companies to um, make plans and, and relocate and make adjustments. Uh, they have 180 days uh, to get stuff. I, I acknowledge that transit times for physical goods are a thing. They have a, the po boats and airplanes need to leave port and airports. By that 180-day mark, you'd still be out, allowed to unload goods that were loaded prior to that 180-day exploration or expiration. Yeah, there, um, I would also use federal U.S. federal dollars to help small businesses under limits to be determined uh, at the time of uh, my decree here to um, help them relocate assets back to the country. That will also come with conditions of, of needing to employ, you know, if you directly or indirectly employed a thousand people in China, you better employ just that many people here if you're going to use my money to bring it back. Um, I also, there would be a cutoff because I, I don't want, big businesses will be able to absorb it. Uh, my, I understand it's going to be expensive. I understand it's going to be you know, company altering, but uh, figure it out. I, I'm not going to allow this to be a big windfall for big business where they can use our money when they could have done it, take care of it for ourselves. We are doing this not only for economic security, but moral reasons. We don't have any reason to be in business with those, you know, those people. I would also ban all tourism um, and all fl flights emanating from China. Um, and would require visas for Chinese citizens to visit. The United States um, and I'd be really 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 stingy about how I gave those out next I think I think that would even be good for the economy actually I mean I like that you're saying you know we're doing oh, this it'll for be a short term, it will be a short-term clusterfuck it would probably be two quarters mm -hmm. straight quarters of GDP retraction followed by a you know the v-shaped recovery you know as an economic term you've heard a lot in the news here lately um, because that, you know, that demand for those products necessarily hasn't gone anywhere. There will be reduced overall demand just because of the economic inefficiency. I understand that, but we will more than pay for it. Um, Better in the long run. In the long run. Okay, I have, I have a question on that one, Dorf. Yes, sir. Um, is, is there some sort of addendum, some sort of caveat in there that the, the, the regulations on tourism, especially, or just even some of the other regulations, will be lifted 
should China change their ways in, in, in some way. Sure, uh, but it's going to be a minimum of 25 years. Okay, so nobody goes to China for 25 years. Uh, I don't. They can do whatever they want, letting people into their own country, but none of the, no Chinese tourists coming here. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so no, nobody saying, in... we can, you know, I'm assuming they would respond in kind here. Um, okay, I, I, I would I assume, I would assume China would respond in kind to my, you know, embargo, effective, you know, personal and, and business embargo. Hmm. Um, I would also, as part of this, any sort of cyber uh, intrusion on private industry and in effect to try and steal intellectual property is an act of war and will be responded to in kind. So, okay. So, so you're not saying that people, that Americans aren't allowed if Amer- to... If China will allow American tourists after this, they're more than welcome to travel there, but no Chinese tourists will be allowed to come here. Okay. Um, and you're not bringing anything back. Nope, I am not. You, you specifically see in the news, if you pay attention here now, the IP theft that's been taking place through the university system, uh, through uh, what is known as Confucius Institutes. Um, that's an act of fucking war. I, I am furious over that, uh, now knowing that that has been going on for all these years. It's not just uh, trying to hack companies from afar. You're doing it in our own backyard. And... Um, that is an, you know, in my mind, an act of war and should be treated as such. Next, uh, my third thing is I'm going to reduce, I'm going to streamline redundancies in the federal government. I don't need 23 food stamp programs. I don't need 12 intelligence agencies. Um, I don't need 15 people, 15 different agencies that administer the U.S. interior. We'll cut down to one. Um, I'm not going to. I'm not going to eliminate these jobs to prevent a local recession. Um, but essentially when people, you know, we're going to merge management structures and move them all into to one under one umbrella. Uh, and I will not replace people when they, when they retire or leave or leave the business. Well, you know, as our work, as the federal workforce declines, as things are streamlined, uh, we will adjust in scope and scale what we decide to do from there. Uh, there's, you know, we're not going to do any new, um, new work. You know, we're not going to increase headcount. Uh, we're going to, we're going to do these changes and in, in the streamlining by, um, you know, either buyouts. Uh, we, we will have to offer, we'll offer buyouts, strategic buyouts, um, to people in order to cut the workforce as well. Uh, and we'll also just cut by not replacing people when they no longer work here. Uh, Dorf, I gotta say, I absolutely love that one. I mean, I so much so that even even me as a staunch libertarian who has basically sworn to never support the duopoly again, um, if a Republican or Democrat were to run with a legitimate plan to do that, I would vote for them. I, I would actually cast a vote for them if that was something that was could actually potentially happen. Uh, that's that is enough of a even regardless basically of how they felt about anything else. That is enough of a step in the right direction to actually truly help this nation. Okay. Um, on that sign of same note, you know, good better government here. Government agencies will no longer be centralized in the Washington D.C. area. Uh, we will maintain our capital there, but there's no reason that the you know Department of Agriculture should be located in Virginia. Or, or Maryland, Virginia, D.C. area. 
Why the fuck is it not in the Great Plains? It's the damn breadbasket of the world. Why is the office not in Kansas, Iowa, Montana, Nebraska, etc.? Indiana. Why is it not close to things it administers? That sort of lack of closeness allows for ignorant policy to be made. Um, and also by breaking this, you know, this sort of stuff up. And, and, and the same thing with like if we're going to the Department of Interior and we're going to maintain a National Parks Department. Why the hell is that in D.C.? It should be on site at Yellowstone. <laughs> you know, and, you know, for, as an example. Yeah. Like there's and on top of that, you not only I realize federal spending is a thing that will continue and, and boost local economies. We're going to spread that wealth out. We're going to spread it to all 50 states. If I have 50 federal agencies, there's going to be one headquartered in each one. There's no reason, especially in the age of telecommuting and, and the, you know, the one day tr- flight across the country. There's no reason for all that to be centralized in one location. Good point. I don't think I've ever heard that. Um really vocalized actually or that, that's a great I understand great that sort of infrastructure project will take time um, on top of my reducing workforce initiative from number three uh, we will the break ground on properties to relocate uh, these into these departments across the country um, effective immediately and we will offer relocation assistance uh, to anybody who wishes to stay on, but if you do not choose to stay on, your job will not be guaranteed if you don't are will, not willing to relocate. Dorf, yeah. uh, if, if I may, uh, you know, offer a suggestion here. I, I I like what you're saying a lot, and I like that you're um, you know, putting in caveats to say that this could take time. But I feel like your your approach here really has to, you know, hit the the old government red tape adage is hard. You know, they, oh, yeah. um, and, and here's the thing. I, I have absolute authority. There is no committee or bureaucracy for this to go through. And part of, you know, I would assume by my kingly decrees, cause I'm not abdicating at the end. I do not have uh, my last step to be abdicating. Um, I would assume that if I put this stuff in motion for the purpose of this exercise, it would be completed as written. Even if I'm no longer still King of America, <laughs> Right. If, and I, if, I, if I, I just bar, you know, if I got absolute three for a day and borrowed it from the Donald, um, you know, it, if, <laughs> if it were to happen tomorrow, you know, it, <laughs> if I was allowed to do that, then, you know, I would assume this would be carried out uh, faithfully after after I, you know, I'm no longer you know, sure. overlord. Well, um, government takes so much time to do things and they they hide behind that time and they use that time as a tool under the guise of, well, things take time. But guess what? Uh, last year, they put a Best Western up right at the corner of where I live and it took them like b- about an hour. I mean, the, <laughs> well, it, and it, here's it, the thing, you know, you look at Elon Musk of, oh, I want, you know, I want to be human space travel again. Like you look at, oh, like I want to be on Mars in, in five years or whatever it is. Well, NASA's like, oh, well, you know, if we get the appropriate funding, we might be able to make it there in the 2030s. Elon's like, fuck that shit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this on my own, and I'm gonna pay for it by essentially becoming, you know, commercial space shipping by getting anything you want into low Earth orbit that will finance all this. And I'm gonna put, you know, I'm gonna put human beings on Mars by the end of the 2020s. Like, God, you know, he's the the deadline's changed a couple times, but. 
Sure. Still, but the idea that, oh, yeah, we need to work with our partners at Boeing and, and private industry and stuff like that. Like, oh, we need like three decades to come up with a launch vehicle. It's like, well, by the time you you spend all that time, your tech's outdated by the time it ever leaves. And if something that needs to be precisely balanced and weighted is, uh, you know, a space, a space vehicle <laughs> where any sort of deviation of center of gravity is deadly. Um, I, you, yeah, you do need to be careful. It's not like a car where, you know, we're going to bolt a different spoiler on it, the 12th hour, and it, it might change the aerodynamic profile a little bit. But at the same time, it's not going to make the thing blow up. Um, sure. uh, yeah, at the same time, the idea that the it's a slow and I understand the purpose of the way that laws are written in the constitutional process is to be slow and deliberate and to avoid knee jerk reactions. But uh, I'm dictator, so I don't care. <laughs> right. Next. Yeah, you have executive, legislative, and judicial power here for a day, so make it, make it uh, yep. Next, take advantage of it. We're going to adjust the uh, judicial system here. Ju- lifetime judicial appointments are over. I'm okay with 10, 15, 20-year terms, but the R- RBG scenario where she's literally, you know, mummifying herself on the bench, can't keep her head up, has like seven times, can't you know, cancer like for the seventh time. I don't know if that's the exact count, but it's multiple times cancer i'm sorry she should not be able to hold the supreme court hostage because she doesn't want to give it up i understand why there's no term limits to an attempt to make an independent judiciary so they're not up for election but any sort of federal judgeship can have a term limit yeah 10 15 20 years but when it's over you don't get you don't get to do it again there there is no re-election you're this is your one-time shot at this you know federal post i'm willing to say that we can hire out of the the federal judiciary to to, to the supreme court but if you don't get elevated or promoted to the supreme court your, your time in, in the federal judiciary is over you get one term and that's it and yeah it'll be 15 20 years sure um i'm okay with that but the the whole lifetime appointment the the thing is ridiculous i'm not even against like having somebody of R, rbg's you know judicial preferences on the court but the idea that somebody who's 85 years old and can't keep their head up is one of the arguably 10 most powerful people in the country is ridiculous i don't know if i like that one door i mean i know it's your call but i, I, don't, I don't know if i like that one um I, 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 I almost feel like you're better off saying uh no it has to be a lifetime appointment there's apps lifetime means lifetime there's absolutely no stepping down from this position and uh, we expect you to do your eight hour day if you don't your vote just doesn't count <laughs> you know if, if you're not there for the votes we expect you to uh, to get this done if you're not there then then get out of here you know then you you're still here the spots here but we're operating with with 10 now that, that's you know that that's just kind of the way I've always looked at that. But your way is it's it's interesting. I just the idea before was that they had this lifetime appointment, so they just could never do anything else. You know, they they had to be committed to it. Well, I thought um, the, the my the way I've always read the lifetime appointment is is to tr- an attempt to make it non political. If you don't ever have to run for reelection, then you don't you don't, are less likely to bend to sure. political whims, and you're more likely to interpret things as written. Mm-hmm. Not to what is popular. Uh, sure. I mean that ship sailed a while ago, but <laughs> yeah, 
It has, unfortunately. I mean, un- unfortunately, they're they're appointed by people. They're appointed by Quite people who are yeah. yeah, and then they are approved by people who are political animals as well. So, one question with your way, with twenty years being the thing, twenty years is that separate? If you serve twenty years on the Supreme Court, are you still eligible to be Chief Justice? No. Um, my other thing here is this would also have a grandfather clause. So we don't all of a sudden have, you know, 2000 federal judges all on, you know, turnover all at one day. Um, anybody current appointments is allowed to keep their lifetime appointments. Any replacements would pick up the, the 20 year term limit. And so if you're a federal court judge, say the, you know, appeals court, district court, you're allowed to be promoted to the Supreme court and then start a new term limit over. But if you're an, you know, if you've term limited out of the Supreme Court, you you can't go back to being a district judge. Your your time in federal service is over. That makes sense. That makes sense. And no, the the chief judge. Although yeah, no, I didn't think about the the regular justice to chief justice thing. Uh, I I would say that that would you know maybe we could do like a five year bonus period or something like that for the promotion. But uh, the, the starting over a twenty year period, that's not going to happen. I just wouldn't you want a potential person if you had the one person on the I, I was more talking about Supreme Court, not the circuit courts and other yeah. things. I, I actually am on board with you completely when it comes to lower judgeships. But um if you have one person on the Supreme Court who is excellent at what they do, wouldn't you want to be able to take from that pool to have the next chief justice? Pick them right the first time. That <laughs> It's just then, then you're, then you, I was just kind of saying that then you have a chief justice who you know what you're going into because you're giving them an extraordinary amount of power as chief justice. And then if you, if you pick, if you pick the chief justice wrong and he or she happens to be the dumbest guy on the bench, yeah, that, that could be a potential problem. But hey, it's, it's, you know, not necessarily altering completely. So makes sense. Okay. I'm going to move on from there. Sure. Um, Number six, I am going to repeal the 17th Amendment. Uh, that is the where allowing for the direct election of senators. The Senate will return to being the state's representation in the federal government. Um, states are free to appoint those folks however they choose, uh, whenever they choose. A senator can be recalled by their governor or state legislature if that's or how they choose to do it. However direct election will not be an acceptable option. The state executive or legislative branch will choose how they send those two people to their states or to the Senate. Um, And that will be the case forevermore. People voting for their senators has always been dumb and continues to be dumb to this day. Uh, This will also help reinforce uh, Amendment 10 as now the states will have direct uh, ability to influence policy rather than just lobbying. This will also ensure your smaller states with less economic activity uh, will have to bow less to, you know, California, New York, uh, Illinois, etc. Absolutely love that one, Dorf. Um, I have there. I basically am a supporter of every single one of the amendments except the two that they did in the 19 teens. I don't know what the oh, hell those people were thinking. Yeah, I believe they were 1913 and 1919 were the 17th and 18th Amendments, I think I remember that correctly. And, I mean, they're they're a disaster. The 18th, at least, were smart enough to say, yeah. Whoops, our bad. 
<laughs> undo. <laughs> the, uh, the 17th Amendment, in essence, it, it, just, it just makes the Senate a more powerful house, and it actually does away with the, the main objective of the Senate. So I, I, I'm with you 100% on that one, Dorf. Great call. Yep, we're going to restore, we're gonna restore the, the... So I, I, if I would, you know, I would not make this a decree, but this would be the suggestion that the, the Senate, the two senators from each state, um, will be yeah. appointed and recalled at will by governors. That means governor election, governor will become a more attractive position um, to attract some better talent. Um, and they serve at the essentially the will of the governor as the governor's two lobbyists in the within the federal government. Okay, next. I like it. House of Representatives will have term limits of eight years uh, going forward. Current members will be grandfathered, so we don't have a, a you know a entire turnover in eight years of everybody. Um, those will those. Current members are allowed to serve as long as they continue to be elected, but anybody new um, would have a maximum of four consecutive terms. Our four terms period, if you win, lose, and then win again, you, your eight-year clock doesn't start over. It's eight years total. Uh, okay. If you're appointed midterm or win a partial term, uh, that counts as a two-year block. So I, the Senate are you is still gonna... eligible for Senate with, with these two rules? These two new decrees kind of cross over with each other. Are you still eligible for the Senate after um, your years are up? Yes, because because the Senate will stay also unlimited because they're representatives of the state government. Uh, you can essentially be tabbed at any time by your state governor to take a position in the Senate. You would have to in, in turn give up your, your House seat. Um, but the Senate will <clears> – it, it, it's independent of that. So you can do eight years as a senator – or excuse me, eight years uh, as a congressman, and then get tabbed by your governor to go serve as the state's representative in the Senate. Okay, that's I I, I love that plan, Dorf. But I do feel like you're setting yourself up to some degree to having these people establish their establish their Washington insider status for eight years, and then move on to being a a lifelong senator. Well, you got to remember, um, the senator, the Senate is not a life, a lifetime term in my new system here. I can have a governor who's not ma as mad at me because I didn't vote the way he wanted me to, and he can recall me tomorrow, like, and and appoint somebody new, like. Okay. That's that level of, that level of turnover. There is no term defined terms in the Senate. You are now the essentially one of the two appointed lobbyists for your state within the federal government. But do you? But do they just bounce back and forth with Republican governor puts in these two Republicans and Democratic governor puts in these two Democrats who are you know used to be uh, the House reps? Yes, that's that. I'm okay with that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just re looking for clarity, not disagreement. Yes. Um, that would also the one of the the second order effects of that that puts more pressure on local elections where it's not so much winner take all at the national level. Um, the Senate is only won by winning a, a plurality of states. Um, and so the power of the 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 number you know states will um, you know hell a republican governor could report a libertarian and an independent to his his senate seats if he felt like it um but but he won't but that won't happen but it could 
<laughs> um, all right, so that is decree number seven. Also part of this, any for formal federal government official, whether congressman, house, or janitor in the State Department, is banned from working in media or as a lobbyist anytime post office. Hmm. That could make things better. Yep. I don't need to be seeing uh, former spooks on CNN. That sort of not only is the risk for state secrets being leaked out too great, um, that will also essentially help, you know, take on the deep state. Ooh, is that a boogeyman word? Um, yeah, journalists be journalists, but politicians be politicians, right? Bingo. The, the too friendly relationship between those industries and government, uh, whether it's lobbying. Uh, I mean, the latest stimulus package that's gone through the House – like there's a lobby, a spe lobbyist specifically bailout because because they, they they wrote the bill, gave themselves a bailout because who's going to write your bills if if we're out of business? <laughs> now right. it's never going to be. There's zero chance of that ever becoming law and that money being paid out. But still, like seriously, like you're you're not even ashamed or attempting to hide that. Like goddamn, that's screwy. Anywho, uh, number eight. This is going to be a tax system overhaul slash national service program. Okay. I will change there. I will institute a national service program. As long as by the age of 24, you get started in a two-year national service, your, whether that be military, a Peace Corps, you can go work on an infrastructure project, um, or other roles to be determined, at, you know, for work for national interest, you will not be paid for those p periods. Your expenses will be taken care of. You'll be housed, fed, and clothed. Um, you know, much much similar to a, a military style arrangement there, a barracks living. By the age of twenty four, your first one hundred thousand dollars per year of of income is tax free federally for life. You do not have to participate here. If you choose not to participate in the national service program. Your tax, you will have a 25% a flat tax uh, on any any income you earned under $100,000 per year. Uh, there would also be a 40 to 50% tax, progressive tax on incomes over 100000 If you choose to participate, the first 100000 is tax-free federally. States are still allowed to, to levy income taxes if they choose. I would also, huh. as part of my, my tax scheme here capital gains would be tax-free but what i'm going to redefine capital gains to uh exclude professional stock and investment trades if that is a your majority source of income so you're a day trader or a hedge fund manager or etc cetera, etc cetera, that would be taxed as normal income you know profits profits on those would be taxed as normal income um they would not be taxed at the lower capital gain rate. So, but but if if I uh, retire and and sell my business to my kid, or pass it along, but you know at the same time that business is an asset, it has value. That that transaction would be taxed under the current system. It would no longer be defined that way. Um, so that transaction, that handoff, would be you know, tax free. And if I sell my primary residence and make a profit on it, I, I'm not, I, I'm not expecting anybody to pay taxes on that under my new system. Um, that profit is yours to keep. 
<laughs> Very Robert Heinlein of you with just a sprinkle of Gene Roddenberry. I, I... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, at the same time, if you don't, you know, if you choose not to participate, not to pitch in your labor um, for national service for those two years, you're more than welcome to. It's just, you know, people have essentially paid their first 25% of their, their you know, 25% tax on their first 100K a year um, in that service period. They got it out of the way. Um, that During the service period, that doesn't ban you from making other income during that service period. Um, however, it'll essentially be your full-time job. It's not going to be like a weekend or side gig. It will be your full-time job, but if you do other things that generate income, you're more than welcome to keep it. Um, but it will be taxed at the 25% because you have not completed your service. Um, the Yeah. And you don't have to participate, but um, the, also that 100K per year is indexed to inflation and will adjust accordingly uh, here and out forever. So the value of that 100K, sir, 100K, um, what it's worth, you know, the value of that national service uh, stays consistent uh, throughout the ages. That, that's exactly what I was about to ask. That's it. What, at what point? So you, you have thought about that. that. That's good to know. Yeah, because I mean, from, you know, well, Seventy-five years, hundred thousand might be, uh, might you know, be ten bucks. Right? Well, I mean, you look at the value of Social Security when it first kicked off. It, you know, we haven't adjusted the really adjusted the Social Security dollars since like the seventies, if I remember correctly. You know, twelve thousand dollars a year in nineteen seventy. That was a middle. You know, that was that wasn't poverty. Uh, that no. was that was a middle class living uh, afforded to retirees and disabled folks. Um, assuming we we're going to, I understand why we haven't done that because of runaway costs, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, this isn't, this isn't an expense. This is a, a tax rate. Um, <laughs> so, or a tax credit effectively. So it's, it's not money that we're, it's money that we just don't get. It's not money that we have to spend. So, and we would have to, of course, adjust incomes, you know, accordingly or national spending accordingly to afford this. Um, but at the same time, if you look at effective tax rates of folks who make less than $100,000 a year, it's not that much. And especially if you get two works, two years of their labor in exchange for that, um, it'll come out pretty revenue neutral. And just without running any numbers, uh, it'll come out pretty revenue neutral here. Um, just spitballing it. Hmm. Very interesting. I, You know, Dorf, I, I'm not saying that I, I love the... There, there's a your your approach is it, it's it's statism heavy for me. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Well, I, but I, I apologetically. I know you who's, are. Who's pro nation state? I, I I I understand that you are, but with honestly, if somebody, I, I would vote for you. I I would actually vote for you, if you know being stuck in this system, um, you know since since now in this. In this scenario, I'm not king for the day, and I don't get to, um, you know, fix everything. I, you know, being stuck in the system, I would vote for you. I would. I, uh, I, I, I don't, I you know, I, I haven't that. taken my power by the vote. I've taken it by uh, divine right here, and, and my term is one day, so. <laughs> but if you did, if you did, I you would. would write uh, a good philosophical news piece the day after, or go on a podcast the day after, and say, <laughs> oh, I really like this guy. 
Maybe we should let him have one of these days a year. Yeah, or or say, you know, if we're going to insist on keeping this system afterwards, then door for president, anybody? You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I like this door. I mean, I, do you have any honorable mentions or any runners up you want to mention here? Without, we won't debate them. But any anything, if you had, a, if you decided to work some overtime on your kingly day, what anything else you'd want to do? Um, uh, no, not really. I I can't think of anything. Uh, you know off the top of my head um you know i mean sure some things i didn't go into tweaking every you know one of the decrees but um but uh maybe just setting up my um my basically my in the background shadow system of uh keeping the liberty you know so i realize that somebody will inevitably try to take it away and so there, I do fully acknowledge that there would have to be some sort of, uh, you know, little uh, protective force, okay. Jedi Order, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my honorable mentions here uh, would be if, you know, if I was king of the United States for a day, uh, I would kick off an audit of the Fed. Um, uh-huh. And another one that I want to do is... Um, make it essentially encoded in law if if you know you, you see here the the phrase all the time that if the product is free you are the product um essentially free products exist because they could companies who provide them data mine the shit out of you um, mm-hmm. in very rare cases other times that you know you see like free and open source software is just uh, you know kindness of people's hearts um they're making a tool for themselves that they choose to share with other people that's fine um but if, if it's free and you are the product um that will need to come with some monetary compensation. If they're going to data mine the shit out of you and turn around and sell that data, um, you get a percentage of that, whatever the sales price is for the percentage of what your data is. So they, you know, obviously I I would say it would be a 50, 50 trust where collating company keeps 50% and the other, uh, you know, whoever they've data mined must be compensated in form of cash. Uh, not like add-ons or freebies or anything like that in form of cold, hard currency uh, for their proportion of, you know, if, if you are the, the data sold is, for example, a thousand data points and you make up three of them, you get, you know, a third of a percent of that 50%. Huh. Um, you know what? I, I do have st- one thing I'll, I will throw in that goes more along the lines of your interpretation of this question. Sure. That is, if we are going to have political parties that are, um, you know, in essence, part of the government. They are supported by the government. I would say that... There's a box the, on your they, taxes that you can fund their campaigning. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They are fully a part of our government, whether people want to admit it or not. So I would say that if people insist on having that, if government insists on having that, that the debates, which are a huge part of our election process now because of a free media and because of the way we have adapted socially to the elective process i would say that it that in at least one of the debates if that if a candidate is on the ballot in all 50 states they must be included okay and the deba- and the debating is mandatory okay 
you know, that you uh, that. you don't you so don't you, get to you're, say, you're well, I don't feel like I don't feel like I, have, I don't I'm not showing up to that debate. Not up to the debate. You're off the ballot. Period. Interesting. Very very interesting, sir. Hmm. Well. Anything else you want to add to this before we wrap this up? No, I don't think so. I think I think we covered it a lot. Uh, the only thing I would add is that um, for those of you listening out there, give us a contact. You know, contact us any way if you can, and let us know who who'd you like better. You know, King Dorf or King Josh, and um, <laughs> let, let us know. You know, so you can do that. Neither uh, both. Let's let's say do that on Twitter. We do have a Twitter account here. It is uh, if sure. you're watching this in video form anywhere, it's in the background. It's at Empire underscore in underscore exile underscore. Um, and you can you know we're gonna we're gonna be posting this a variety of places. The first two places this episode will go will be both our YouTube channel and our Podbean uh, distribution service. Uh, with now that I have content, I'm gonna I've got a list of like 15 other places it's gonna be. That uh, I haven't created those accounts yet because they require uh, content first. So all that will be available and hopefully a website to come here too. Didn't want to start that until we had some content. So with that being said, I think that is going to wrap this episode up. Um, Trying to put some outro music here. It's not loading. (laughs) Anyway, um, thanks for joining us here on this first episode. We aim to publish here every um every tuesday is the plan so far so uh same time same place wherever you found us this time we'll talk to you all later have a good one